Please listen carefully. And now, live from the Zudio in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring two guys flapping gums and being chums, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today we start our coverage of BayCon 2023. BayCon 2023! We're bringing to you a whole month of special episodes that drop on days that don't normally happen. and Because <laughs> we got so much content, we had so much fun at BayCon. Oh man, it was a blast. We were going from morning till night. Yep. We especially want to thank Bacon and Drew yes. for having us out. And giving us so much to do. We like being busy at a con for sure. And the entire crew helping out. There were yes. so many awesome people just pitching in and making yeah. an awesome con happen. Yep. What up, Cam? <laughs> Killing it over there. And uh, there was this guy named Scott <laughs> who uh, was doing a lot of stuff in the panel rooms. He was running around like a chicken. Yes. Well, we got to do a whole bunch of our panels and we got to moderate the Q&As for the voice actors. Yes. Two of them, we got to moderate the all-over voice actor Q&A, all the voice actors that were there, and then the uh, special Blue Lock Q&A, because there was a lot of Blue Lock actors there. Mm -hmm. So once again, thank you, Bacon, for having us out to do that. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to all the actors. Thank you to all the cosplayers. Thank you to all the vendors. It was so much fun, and uh, the first thing we're going to uh, give you guys is the voice actor Q&A panel Bacon had a lot of voice actors out there. A lot. I mean, it was like, I've only seen this many voice actors at things like the the big shows. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, a, like the anime Texas shows. And, and usually um, you only see them all at once like this in the opening ceremonies. Right. But this was as many people as they could fit on that stage. They did. Plus, yeah, plus not. Yeah, Some plus not. We had, they had to make room halfway through. <laughs> Uh, we're going to let you know who is on this panel. Yes. And uh, then we'll get into it. We'll play the panel for you. And if you don't want to wait to hear these kind of things, you have to come out to Bacon. <laughs> yeah. So come out to Bacon next year. Hopefully, I think it sounds like they're doing it again yeah. in 2024. Yeah. If you want to uh, see what you missed, it's still yeah. at ba-con.live. Yeah. And then keep that, you know, bookmark because they're yeah. going to do it again next year. Yes. And we will be there with bells on. Yellow bells. So uh, who are we going to hear from in uh, this Q&A, Mikey? Oh, there's a whole bunch. But starting, starting up top, we got Larry Brantley, yes. uh, who most people would know as the voice of Wishbone. Yeah. He also did voices for My Hero Academia, and he was Hody Jones on One Piece. The, what's the story, Wishbone? <laughs> yeah, he was a great guy. Apparently, that he's this is only like the third or fourth con he's ever done. So I think he mentions it in the Q&A. And he brought out all the Wishbone fans. It was yeah. great. Uh, also, we had Lizette Monique Diaz. You can catch her as the voice of Jahi in The Great Jahi Will Not Be Defeated. Never! Yuki from the reincarnation of the greatest exorcist from another world. Jeez, these titles. <laughs> Even from the skeleton knight in another world, as well as other series, including Blue Lock, One Piece, Chainsaw Man, and Kagura-sama, Love is War. The anime titles are half the fun. It's yes. great. Uh, we also got to see Chris Patton. We've seen him yeah, at we a have. couple cons. It was good to see him at Baycon. He, he was the voice of Greed from Full Metal Alchemist, as well as Turtles from Dragon Ball Z. 
Allison Leigh Rosenfeld. Oh, she was great. And she's done so much stuff <laughs> from, uh, you might know her from her roles as uh, Bonnie, Nurse Joy, and Sophocles from Pokemon. Yay. Yeah. And the voice of Strawberry Shortcake from the Strawberry Shortcake cartoon. <laughs> and the voice of Polly Pocket from the Polly Pocket cartoon. Come on. There's a lot of interesting credits in that one. Yeah. Mobile Suit Gundam even. There you go. All over the place. Uh, after that, we had Monet Lerner, uh, who is also part of the Blue Lock crew as yeah. young Bakula. She also does the voice of Mina in Beast Tamer and Luloon in The Fruit of Evolution, as well as being part of the, you'll hear this in the a couple. Medieval Times crew. Yeah, you'll hear it, that comes up quite a bit because it's awesome. Yeah. But she was part of the Medieval Times crew as a queen and falconer. Yes. Um, also, uh, Jordan Dash Cruz, uh, who is not only a voice actor, he's also the assistant director for Blue Lock. Yeah. We've also heard him in Beyblade, Spy Family, and One Piece. Yeah, yeah. As well as a bunch of director credits. Yeah. Like mainly Blue Lock was what he was there for. Yep. But he did, here's more weird anime titles, Trapped in a Dating Sim, Fruit of Evolution, and The Great Jaw he yeah. we were just talking about. Uh, and sitting next to him was Phil Parsons, who was Nappa from Dragon Ball Z. Also, Kenny Ackerman from Attack on Titan. Uh, as well as voices from Tokyo Ghoul and Fire Force. Yeah, and uh, also there was a friend of the pod, the world-famous Thomas McKee. What up, Tom? Uh, Tom's great. We love him. He's a good friend of ours. You've heard him in One Piece, The Royal Tutor, doing various audiobooks like Canvas Skies. He's also an accomplished stage actor, and we watched him doing Scoville Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, which was basically... Hot One Shakespeare. Yeah, Hot One Shakespeare. Drinking hot sauce and doing soliloquies. Yep. It was a good time. Yeah. I never thought that would happen, and I got to see it and experience it. Mm -hmm. Sitting next to him was Alex Hom, who's been in voices in a couple series such as Aoshi, Attack on Titan, Chainsaw Man, Date Alive, Kaguya Sami, Love is War, like we said earlier, Skeleton Knight in Another World, and he's part of the Blue Lock crew as Kunigami. Yeah. Uh, also, the great Chuck Huber. His most recent roles have been Android 17, Emperor Pilaf, and Kyoto and Dragon Ball Super, Kurogi and My Hero Academia, so much, much more. And then another new friend of the podcast, Matt Elkins, who is a knight at Medieval yes. Times. He's part of the Blue Lock crew, as well as a live action actor. He was in also recently in 1883, the Yellowstone series. Mm -hmm. And hopefully another great new friend of the pod, Drew Breedlove, who was Bakura in Blue Lock. He's also been in One Piece, uh, Fairy Tale, The Disastrous Life of Saki K. And he was also at Medieval, he was a squire at Medieval Times. Actually, he was Matt Squire at Medieval Times. There you go. And in some Hallmark movies, but yep. you'll have to hear about that later. Yeah. And then also, a uh, final guest was Joshua Seth was on the panel, and most people would know him as Ty, the leader of Digimon, and for me, it was the voice of Tetsuo yeah, in Akira. Akira, legendary. He's a legendary voice actor. That was a big get for well, Bacon. All those people on one stage. Yeah. It was a, it was a crazy time. Yeah. Uh, without further ado, we're going to play you the voice actor Q&A from Bacon 2023. Yeah, Bacon! I guess we'll kick things off with some questions now. Yeah, any Q&As? Um, if anybody has a question, raise your hand and I'll come to you. I'm going to float one out here real quick since everybody's complaining about being old and being in the voice acting game for way too long. By the way, our long. MCs are from Assuming Positions Podcast. Thank you. Okay. you uh, very awesome podcast you guys should go and listen to. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that, Tom. You're welcome. Uh, but for the veterans, you say you've been in it for years. What it, it's sort of a pick your own and which one you want to answer? Is there one thing that has changed the most from when you started to where you are now? That's like just way better, and you never thought it would be that way when you started. Or if you give yourself one piece of advice from when you started 
20, 30, 50, 60, I'm not judging. However long ago, what piece of advice would you give your starting out self to be like, hey, don't do this, or always do this? Find another line of work. I know. That's not true. Um, All right, so everybody loves a good origin story. I wish I had one. I fell into this by accident, okay? I was doing on-camera stuff. Uh, This would have been 1991. And I was doing commercials, just doing commercials. And my agent called and said, I'm going to send you on a voice audition. And I said, great, what is that? She had to explain it to me. It was for a show. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. I'll simply say this. When it came to Wishbone, the first audition, I did not know if I was going to have to dress in a dog suit and dance around on a stage because the most popular show was... Barney. And I thought, for enough money and alcohol, I guess I will do that. (laughs) Turned out it was a live dog, but that's kind of what started for me. I have one piece of advice. Because you do a funny voice or a believable accent that doesn't make you an actor, learn acting. Do that first. That's the only advice I have for you. (laughs) That and, yeah, don't drink on the job. Good advice. Microphone's coming. That was really well summed up. I don't have anything else. Uh, Hi. So I am a theater major at the college right across the street. And so as someone who is used to uh, doing uh, stage acting, do y'all have any advice looking to move into voice acting? I'll take this one. Yeah, I, 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 take, I got Yay. this one too. You go first. So um, that is wonderful that you are a theater actor. That background is going to serve you so well in a voice acting career. As our lovely cohorts just said, voice acting is first and foremost acting. When I am in the booth, I refer to it as the Muppet Opera. I am using my entire body fully acting out things because if you're running and you're like, huh, it's going to sound a little different than if you're like, like really getting yourself into it. So having an understanding of I've got to know who I'm talking to, what it is I'm trying to communicate, what they want, making choices about your character, choices over voices. Like the things that you are bringing to it are, are so much more important than, well, I could do this cool voice, you know, like it's going to set you apart. It's going to be an asset to you. Um, if you are a musical theater person, being able to know your entire instrument, like everything your voice can do, is going to be super helpful as well. And yeah, it's only like the biggest asset you can have. So great job. (laughs) I will say this being a theater actor as well, you and I are tall. Um, I do the same thing in the booth, but you got to tone down your arm movements a little bit because you're going to smack something. And my very first day, I knocked the mic right out of the stand, and I had an engineer stare at me for an hour, saying, I will kill you. And I was like, all right. So yeah, it's awesome. Just do that, but not 100%. See, I'm so small, that's never been a problem. (laughs) Plus, you get to learn uh, how to play subtleties. When you're on stage, projecting to the back row, subtle little facial movements don't play. If you've had both stage and on-camera acting experience, then you've got a full arsenal to draw from in the booth. But that, but the thing is, when you're in the booth and you've got your headphones on, you just, subtle little things can make a huge difference, and a good director will guide you with that. So just keep in mind, you don't have to like a be, you know, using your full diaphragm every single time you're in there. 
you guys are talking about setups and stuff. Uh, you guys have such a great repertoire up there. Are you guys working together? You guys have home studios? Are you guys working out of the studios that you're working for? How's that working out? Uh, both for me. <laughs> so uh, I have a home studio uh, that I'll record from. Um, if I get, you know, an audition from like Los Angeles or something and I can't go out there because I live in Dallas, like I'll do, I'll do it from there. And uh, if I book, uh, they have not seemed to have a problem with me recording from home. Uh, but at the same time, I'm that guy that really likes going into the studio <laughs> just because it's a lot more fun. Um, it's a good environment. You have a director there in person that can kind of talk to you. I mean, they can talk to you over Skype or, you know, Source Connect or whatever. But, like, for me, having someone in there and being like, all right, let's get down to the nitty gritty. Let's do this together. Having an engineer in the room, too, because Lord knows I hate writing my own game. Oh, like, man. the amount of times I've peaked and I'm just like, we're probably going to have to get that again, aren't we? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, uh, for me, both have worked out just fine. Uh, if I had a preference, uh, I would prefer in, in the studio. I got you. Somebody had a question over here? What are some fun behind the scenes stories from when you're in the booth or We all something? had an agreement. That's safe, dude. So this one time with Larry. Yeah. Do, do you remember that scene in The Shining when when uh, Wendy's running around the hotel and she sees like the guy in the bear costume with some dude in one of the rooms and no explanation given? Now just picture that and Larry in that bear costume and yeah. I've got one. I'll say one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so behind the scenes, right? Okay. So um, we were doing Walla this like way like, back in 2017 or 16. Explain we're, what Walla. Okay, is. Walla is called. <laughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. With all the actors, it's where they take a bunch of us, stick us in a room, and we do the background sounds for everybody. We were doing for Royal Tudor, and we're in this weird scene where there's a bunch of kids talking, and there's no. They didn't have any dialogue written, nothing for us, no ideas. They said just make it up. All you have to do is act like you, that person does not belong here. I had just happened to watch. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Mean Girls. Okay. The Mean Girls. The, the mean girls. Yes, the Mean Girls. So when my time came up, and the engineer pointed at me, and I just all I could think about was a kid going, "She doesn't even go here," and it's in there, and they kept it. You just got to turn it way up, yep. and it's there. But it, I, I, I pinpointed it on the mark. If you come to my booth, I will tell you what episode and the timing, so you can go find it, because it was hilarious. Anyone else fun? So, I can keep going. Okay. I, oh, I've got kind of a kind of a fun one. Um, so what's really fun for me is anytime I get cast in a show, I'll go in and the the director likes seems to always want to be like, yeah, I cast you for this reason. You know, you were perfect for this role because of this. Um, and I remember when I did my very first show ever, it was called uh, Natsume's Book of Friends, and it was with the director Jade. Um, I'm good friends with her husband, and you know she kind of gave me the hookup and brought me in for my first show. I came in and I just I was straight up honest with her. I said, "Hey, I um, kind of nervous. You know, I've never done this before. I don't know how to how to you know do a lot of voice acting stuff. I'm more of an on camera guy." And she said, "Look, all you have to do is be yourself. I am a professional, and I booked you because you're this character." And I was like, wow, okay, easy peasy, let's do it. And she said, you're playing Saturo, he's a real dim-witted pervert. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is history. 
So uh, I just wanted to bring up, since I can uh, say this story because it involves Jordan over there. Um, oh, no. When we were recording for <laughs> Higihiro, uh, myself, uh, Jordan, and the director, Jonathan Rigg, we were working on, I think it was like the very first episode, and uh, we were, we, I had to do a spit take. Because uh, in the scene, he's brushing his teeth and he spits. And we couldn't get the right sound with nothing to spit out. And Jordan just stands up. He's like, I got it. And he runs out of the room. And I'm like, what, what, what just happened? And then he comes back with a cup of water. He's like, take this. He just busts into the booth. He's like, take this. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And we got it. I just, I just <laughs> swiggled some water and I spit it out into the cup and it sounded perfect. I and forgot about that. You did forget. Yeah, that's I just remember, I'm like, I'm like, is he okay? He just like ran out of the room. What happened? I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> Inspiration, my friend. It was beautiful and I love you for it. <laughs> I had to gargle water in a scene too for Jahi as well, yes. which made me think of another thing for you. But one of, not really a specific story, but if you ever do get to work with Jordan as a director. It, it's just one of the best times because he laughs at everything, even if it's, it's not as funny as it actually is. It's true. So, okay, so in this show that I'm in called Fruit of Evolution, I play a donkey that transforms into a human being. And she is, a, yes, because she eats the fruit of evolution and she transforms. So she eats a lot. She loves food. She's a donkey, of course. They love food. So um, I, I'm in this show, I am constantly eating. Like every single scene I am eating, I'm eating. But there was one scene where I had an actual bakudan in my mouth, which is like a dumpling. And so we were trying to figure out how to make the sound of talking with the bakudan in my mouth. So I was like, oh, I'll just put my fist in there. And then we were like, no. And so we went to the snack room. We got an apple. We got a granola bar. And so I was in there, and she walked in. And I had this full-on apple in my mouth like a stuffed pig. And I was just like, sitting there, and she like, I, saw, I turned and looked, and there she was, and I just like spit the apple out <laughs> everywhere. So yeah, okay? that was fun. I'm I'm okay. She's, she's yeah. Here. You, you know what I think is really fun? Um, when I record at Crunchyroll, one thing that's really fun is on Halloween, everybody dresses up, like everybody. And I remember I was going in to record for the show I was doing. I was dressed as a Teletubby, and. <laughs> I stopped by uh, Studio 10, and I walked in, and Drew's doing Bachita, fully decked out in Captain Jack Sparrow gear, and like, I mean, not just like a hat and a plastic sword, I mean, like, he, he goes all out, and he does a great impression, he's got to do it for you guys right now. So, occasionally I'll do Captain Jack Sparrow, and I, you know, walk around as him. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I guess I'll share a, just a quick story. Uh, this is more of like a in the booth improv moment. Um, so I was working on Trapped in a Dating Sim, uh, voicing Leon, and in one of the episodes, as an anime does, uh, there was there was a scene uh, where it shows like the two girls, like the two main girls of the show, for whatever reason, like sleeping in a bed, like in their bra and panties. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's anime, right? <laughs> um, so I remember we there was a line written down. I can't remember what the line was, but um, I was looking at it, and just in character, I go, Leon Likey. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and I start laughing, and uh, Rig, the director, he goes, we're keeping that. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, that was, that was a joke. That was a joke. No, no, sorry, we're keeping that. So now if you watch the show, you will hear Leon Likey right in there. So. 
<laughs> Fun improv moment. Well, I have one that's not it's it's really just a uh, shows how dumb I am more than a fun behind the scenes story. But you guys know who Chris Sabat is, right? Godfather of uh, Dragon Ball dubbing. Okay, so he has his own studio called Okratron, and a lot of we've all done work there. One time, I was running late to a session, and you know, I I respect Sabat and his studio a lot. All those guys, you it's always very unprofessional to be late, so I felt terrible and. I don't remember all the de- It was a very complicated car issue, family thing. I can't remember what it all was, but I'm rushing to get there. I'm running, and I'm there, and I'm 20 minutes late, and I think I was even trying to reach them, and I couldn't, and I'm just like, guys, I'm so sorry, and I'm going into the whole story. So I spend three and a half minutes explaining all this drama to explain to them. I, I do respect their time. And Sabbath's like, um, your session's not till tomorrow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> So it's very early, actually. Yes. Early actors on time. Yes. Although I did try to ad lib lines that stay in. At Okratron once, we were doing uh, Moriarty the Patriot. Anybody watch that show? And there was a scene where this bad guy is is chasing somebody, bursts into a theater. It's all set in England, you know, and he's. And I'm just some dude sitting on the front of the theater with his eyes wide open. The guy's like, did you see this man running through here? He looks like this. Right? The guy's just barking. I'll pay you. Tell me where he is. You know, the guy's very intense. And, and my guy's like, you don't need to pay me, sir. I saw him. He went through that door. And that's the only line. And then there's a shot of the guy. Yeah, and he just runs off all angry and pissed off. And just a, just a lingering shot. So I just was joking. I go, you're bloody welcome. <laughs> And uh, Raleigh kept it in, so another line that's in the dub that wasn't part of the script. Those Easter eggs are always fun, but we got a question from the audience. All right. Oh, my goodness. Tom, thank you so much for saying no already. Um, I have two questions, actually. And uh, the first, I was actually before the panel, got the opportunity to talk to Allison, and she is so wonderful, and thank you for answering my questions. Um, But for those of you who've been on shows like Dragon Ball or Strawberry Shortcake, Polly Pocket, shows that have been around a long time, how much do you feel like you get to own the characters you play, and how much do you feel like a responsibility to live up to what people have done previously? And then my question for everybody in the group is, you know, coming to Comic-Con is the greatest thing in the world for us as fans. Tell us a little bit about some of your favorite experiences being out here with the fans and what it's like for them to come up and show you all that love and that excitement for what you do. Well, thank you so much for those kind words. Um, You know, it's interesting. There are times when, uh, you know, like with Polly Pocket and Strawberry Shortcake where they were like, we want to take her in a a new direction. This is for a new generation. And, you know, what, what worked, you know, 15 years ago is not necessarily where the animation world is right now. And I think that sometimes, you know, American animation is like a little different performance-wise from anime. Um, So definitely have a a respect for what came before me and a love for it. I definitely had a lot of Polly Pocket toys growing up. Um, But also, you know, understanding that, like, I got this part because they liked something that I brought to the table, something that I did in my audition that was different than what other people did. And, you know, I've got a really silly sense of humor, and I love to let that shine. And I think that's something that has fortunately helped me in this industry with those characters in particular. Um, And to your second question, you know, anytime I get to meet fans and somebody tells me that a show or a movie that I was in 
helped them in some part of their life or, or just really brought them joy in a, in a wonderful way. I mean, that's the best part of meeting fans is hearing that the work we do actually impacts people's lives. When we're alone in a dark booth, I think it's really easy to forget that like, oh, somebody's gonna see this and maybe like it and wanna talk to us about it one day. And it's really wild and wonderful to get to have that moment come back to us. Do you ever have fans that were fans of the original bring their kids and they're fans of now and you get that connection with Yeah, especially with Pokemon, I find, where there's people who watched it growing up and now their kids are into it. And it's really a wonderful thing that a lot of these properties have that staying power that fans span generations. It's really awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, had a, uh, I had a young, a young lady at my table at this very con this morning and she was, she was crying and I'm, I'm so nervous and basically telling me that uh, she lost her father because she was a young girl, so she lost her father young. And one of her memories was watching Dragon Ball with her father when she was like seven years old, and it meant so much to her. And it was, you know, and it's 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 humbling to be a part of something that means so much to anybody, with no matter how small a part it is. So I know what you're talking about. Um, okay, the first part of your question, I I was in the weird place of being able to create a character from scratch and I really didn't know what the hell I was doing um, people ask how did you come up with the voice and I didn't I came up with the character came up with the personality and then the voice just sort of found it I once met uh, Dan Castellaneta at a comedy club in Santa Monica California and asked him how he came up with the voice of Homer Simpson and he told me the same thing he said the first two seasons he patterned Homer on the actor Walter Matthau. And you can hear that in the performance. But then the writing was so good and Dan finally got comfortable that he made the character his own. And then it went up and, you know, into Homerland that we all know now. Um, so being, being able to start from scratch is really cool and kind of scary because it's all on you if it goes south. You know, there will be no future successions or future generations because it, they, nobody liked it in the first place. Um, as to the con question, uh, this is my one, two, three, fourth con ever. I stayed out for a long time because of my twin dislikes of crowds and people. Um, but uh, it's been wonderful. And the first time a 30-something-year-old came up to me at my very first con and said, you were the voice of my childhood, I took that very seriously. Um, he brought with him a wishbone VHS tape still in the plastic. And, an, I, and he had his family with him, his wife of several years and his three kids who didn't know what a VHS was. Um, and I said, I would love to sign that for you, but if you take that out of the plastic, it loses a lot of value. He didn't bat an eye, man. He looked right at me and he said, this is never leaving my family. He called it an heirloom. He called a VHS tape <laughs> an heirloom. And I thought, okay, I need, to, I need to meet more people. So, so far I'm having a good time. Anybody else? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, when I meet people and they, because uh, I'm a very outgoing person and I, if all those who know me, it's not a, not a surprise. But what I find really fun about coming to conventions is getting to talk to people about their love of acting and then when they tell me they don't think they can do it and then when I I connect with them on social media and then I get to hear hey I actually went and 
I'm in school now, or hey, I did my first community theater play, or hey, I actually got this little independent voiceover role. It means so much to me as a person that they were able to go out and do it because then I feel like I've actually contributed to the world and made uh, something better. And on the fact of Wishbone, you were my childhood, man. So uh, I get that sentiment. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yes. Me and my grandmother, every Sunday on PBS, Channel 4. We didn't have cable. I lived in the country. Uh, but yeah, so that's my big thing. I've got, I've got plenty of people right here in this audience who I've talked to about pursuing their dream and keep going no matter what. And even if you just are in a community show and it doesn't pay anything, and, but you had fun, you're still doing the, the art and you're still pursuing it and you keep going and no matter what, it's going to be a part of you. And that means a lot to me coming to these when I get to hear it. So I don't, I, they usually thank me. I go, no, thank you for making me feel good about doing this. So you're, don't say that. That's, that's this guy. <laughs> Anyone else want to get sappy? I'll, I'll go ahead and tack on this. Um, so this is only my second convention as a guest, but I've been going to conventions since I was like 12 years old because I am a fan first and foremost. And so it's been really cool like getting to be on this side of the stage and getting to talk to people, especially like the characters that I've played so far. I'm only within, I've just finished my first year in anime specifically. And so it's really cool to get, um, even though we don't have long running characters, we have characters that originated in like Japan and you already have those fans that are hardcore fans of the show and of these characters and then getting to have them come up to you and thank you like oh my goodness I really loved what you did with the dub because we were kind of worried there's always that sub versus dub kind of sort of thing but being told from fans that they enjoyed what we did and all this good stuff and getting to talk to people has been really cool on the other side like wow I've been aiming towards this goal like I was watching Yu Yu Hakusho with my sister and Pokemon and Pre-Tier and all these things and now I'm sitting up here with people um, yeah my sister is big fans of y'all <laughs> so we're like big fans at home and so being able to go and like actually experience it on this side and then take it back to my siblings and cousins that were like we're all full weebs on the inside as well is like a really different and really cool experience too to continue thank you continue working towards your dreams because it works out in the end you want to go? Uh, I'll go. I'll go. Uh, 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 I'll, okay, you go. No, you go. Just I'm go. coming on purpose. Just oh, go. my gosh. Okay. You hang up. And, uh, <laughs> so I want to say, like, I really got into acting, especially, like, uh, doing theater in high school, because uh, uh, after plays, people would come up to me when they would, you know, meet the cast, and they'd be like, oh, man, I hated you so much, but, like, in a good way, or, like, you know, I, I had people that, you know, told you know, told me that I almost made him cry or, you know, stuff like that. And, and I, I knew that, you know, I wanted to get into this field to, to make people feel those emotions that maybe they don't feel, you know, all the time, right? Or they, they sometimes forget that they had, you know? And so um, a recent con that I went to, um, uh, it was wild because I actually had, uh, for the first time, I had fans coming up to me, like, shaking, like, crying because they were just so happy. And I, I, I only have Bachita. Bachita is, like, my biggest character. And and they were just shaking and crying. They were like, you're such a legend. And then to me, it's like it almost it's an, an imposter syndrome because you you feel like you haven't earned it yet. And uh, and uh, I know he's going to say something, so I'll just say it. I uh, signed my first tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I sign people's arm and they tattoo it. Yeah, yeah. So I signed my first tattoo, 
uh, I had this girl come up to me and she was like, hey, can you sign my arm? I'm like, okay, cool. She sent me a picture on Instagram. She's like, I got tattooed. And then on the other one, she got uh, Bachita. And she said what she's doing is she's doing uh, one sleeve of autographs and uh, one sleeve of characters or her favorite characters and her favorite actors. And I was like, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's a little weird, but it, it's kind of cool at the same time. And it's just, it's, it's very interesting to have He's him. such a big deal. Uh, sh- shut up. No, <laughs> shut up. He's, he, we've been friends for a while. I don't know if you can tell that. But, but it's, been, it's, it's very rewarding to see the effect that your work has on fans. It's, it's really cool to see that. So actually, just to kind of piggyback on that, um, one thing that uh, really means a lot to me, not just for me personally, but to see something like, as much as I tease him, but to see something like that happen for Drew... Um, is I've known Drew for a very, very long time. We've been best friends for a long time. And I've been a part of his journey and watched him grind and work and work and get nothing from it and work and work and get nothing but rejection. So then to see him shine in that way or to see me shine in that way, it's it means the world to have someone come up to you and say that because they're just... They're, for me at least, it's confirming, hey, all that effort you put in, all that time you put in where you got nothing, because acting is 99% rejection, or at least for me it is. <laughs> it's like 99% rejection, and then, yeah, and then you get that one, and it's like, oh, I have a fan. Well, it's not just about like, oh, how cool am I, but it's more about, okay, hard work paid off, you know, effort paid off. All you had to do is just keep pushing and keep grinding, and that, that means the world to me. Yeah, Drew signs arms, so he'll sign it and then you can get it tattooed. So at his booth. <laughs> so so for me, uh, one one of the big things I, I actually just started doing conventions. Uh, really hitting hitting hard conventions uh, this year uh, is honestly seeing just the faces light up of fans that come up to you and. Uh, just start talking like about why the show is their favorite show or why the character that you voice is like their favorite character. Um, I had someone at this convention uh, just recently, uh, they were really into Beyblade. I, I voiced Rashad in, in Beyblade vs. Quad Drive. And they were just blown away by the fact, they, they didn't think that they would meet like a Beyblade voice actor and just started talking about like why they love the show and hey like I would love to you know battle you with like a Beyblade or something like just just fun stuff and it's cool to see like a lot of times like introverts or 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 people who might be a little bit shy and like afraid to come up to you and talk because they're like oh well I don't know what I'm going to talk about because they're this voice actor and what if they don't think I'm like cool or something um not that we think that you guys are freaking awesome um (laughs) But uh, it's just cool to see them, like, the passion in their voice and the passion that they have, like, for the shows and whatnot. Um, real quick story, I, I did a convention well, with Chuck, uh, AFO, uh, two weeks ago in Orlando. And it was crazy because I had, <laughs> I had someone come up to my table uh, asking about Shadow's House. I, I voiced Sean and John in Shadow's House. And I knew who this person was, but they hadn't seen me in years, so they didn't recognize me. So I was like, oh yeah, man, you know, like it's it's cool, it's cool to see you, uh, Cooper. <laughs> and he's like, what, how, how do you know me? I'm like, it, it's me, Jordan. Like we played Smash Bros together with like Kevin over at Steven's house. 
And he just, like, his face just blew up. Like, he straight up, like, passed, like, almost passed out on the floor. He, like, fell and everything. Um, and just seeing that, like, it was so cool not only to reconnect, but it was so cool to be able to just, again, see that face light up where it's just like, what? Like I, I love this show, and and you, like you're the voice. Like 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 let's talk about it. So then we just started talking about Shadows House, which another thing I've found out. Like I've had to do a lot of research on shows that way I know like what to talk about. Because <laughs> I'll be like, let me let me make sure that I know this stuff that they're talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, sorry, I don't I don't mean to ramble, but like for me, that's that's one of the biggest things is being able to just see like fans excitement uh about the shows that they watch and just being able to be like a little part of it well especially kids because uh yes. kids are brutally yes. honest <laughs> so <laughs> like if they think you suck they will tell you oh yeah so to hear to hear a kid comment on how much they enjoy the show that that means the world to me because i'm like i know you'll tell the truth <laughs> you can i don't know why i'm it's great to hear you guys talk about the passion that you, uh, the audience has for you guys because hearing you guys talk, you guys have passion for the hard work that you were doing. One here, one in the back. Yes. Thank you. We got one here in the middle aisle and one at the back right. Hey, uh, I have a question for Chuck, actually. Um, so I, this is a very odd one. Uh, you may not be able to answer it, too. Uh, I was just curious. Um, do you, by any chance, know... Uh, why the English Funimation dub of Shin-Chan ended or was canceled? That was very, very sad. Very sad. Uh, Shin-Chan was one of my favorite shows uh, to work on. It was, it was they, they let it go because to do it the way they wanted to do it, which was to reimagine most of the dialogue and a lot of the narrative and, and make it our own, it took uh, some really uh, expensive writing the, the head writer for that show was out of LA and, and so I think the and the the process of rewriting it, I think it was just too expensive. And the fan base was they thought it would be bigger, but it was smaller. But very loyal, very loyal Shin Chan fan base, that's for sure. Yeah. Is that, I didn't know penis. that. That's so I, I did a little on that show. That's why that had such an American sensibility in the yeah. writing. It was unusual. Yeah. That's at the old studio, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's one of the only shows I refused to say a line that was written. <laughs> I just refused. I was like, that will never be recorded. Yeah. <laughs> Not with my voice. Did, did Zach try to convince you? Uh, d d for a second. And then I explained uh, what would happen. And he was like, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Can't have that for blackmail purposes. We had another question in the audience over there. Let me come to you real quick. All right, have y'all ever had to do, like, uh, or offered a, a show that, like, went against, like, moral judgment or something that, like, a belief that you had that you just didn't agree with? I am. I, I, uh, what I are these morals you're talking about? <laughs> I was actually a principal of a private Catholic school while I was recording for about eight years. Uh, and so... Uh, there, there are shows you don't want to do. You're like, oh, that's a little rapey. I don't want to do that show. That's not my style. But your friends are all the directors. And so, like, if you're there and you got extra time on the clock and they're like, can I pull you in for some bits? And they're like, yeah, and that show, I don't want to do that show. 
And they're like, but you should do it for me because I'm your friend. And you're like, okay, but you got it. So we would do shows. I'd do shows that I was morally opposed to, but they just would list me as a different name because I didn't want to get fired from the Catholic school I was teaching at. There would be some times where I would encourage a line change, like if there were things that felt kind of like fat-shamey or, you know, putting women... Right, right. Like, we wouldn't say that in America. Um, I I would encourage they re-examine a line, and more often than not, those moments would get rewritten. So, uh, oh, I'll, I'll just go. Uh, so uh, I worked on a show with uh, Jason Lord, uh, Skeleton Knight in Another World. If you guys watched that one, that was a couple seasons. Oh, hey, <laughs> we we got two peas in a pod there. And uh, I played uh, one. Of, he, he was only in there for a couple episodes, but he's this evil fat Lord guy, and he's just totally creepy. And and there's a scene where it's just you know creep to the max, and he's he's got like these elf concubines in bed, and he's just being a total creep. And and Jason was really cool, though, because he pulled me aside before he did it. And he's like, hey, I'm going to show you this scene. It's pretty creepy. It's pretty weird. It's pretty. Yeah. If you have any problems with it, tell me now and let me know. And then we can we can course correct from there. And I saw it and I said, no problem. I'm just going to make him as like cartoonishly evil. So there's no chance of ever, you know, like like seeing this guy in any good light whatsoever. And uh, we did it, and he's he's absolutely current. Hey, <laughs> you know it's fine, it's fine. Take take up take up the whole stage. You know, please, please do that, do that. I didn't see it at your booth earlier. <laughs> but yes, so <laughs> uh, a good director will, will will help you course correct and will make you aware of any sensitive topics and subject material that you might be working with, and really makes it great. So <laughs> to uh, to add to that, uh, yeah. To, uh, to add to that real quick as well, I, I do think that they've gotten a little bit better at letting you know if there's like some content in there that like is questionable um, and whether or not you want to audition. So it'll be like, hey, this show is rated TVMA. Like, are you comfortable with this? Are you comfortable with saying the F-bomb? Like, are you comfortable with these scenes that are happening? Um, so they have gotten a little bit better with that. Um, if push comes to shove, you can still say no. Yes. Uh, they're not going to hold that against you. Uh, they're not going to be like, well, you said no, so you're fired, and uh, we're not going to cast you anymore and everything. Um, I would say, you know, stick to your morals. If, if you feel uncomfortable, say no. Say, mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm, I'm good not doing it. Um, but, hey, if you've got another show or something in the future, you know, shoot me an audition for that. I'll just, quit. I'll just quickly... So kind of lean on yours. So I just recorded for the show. I can't really say the name right now, you know, uh, but it's set in the Civil War. And I played a, uh, a general who drops the N-bomb quite a lot. And I was not very comfortable saying that, especially in my community where I live. Because um, in my home studio, I record and you can hear me through the window. Um, and my neighbors, who are all dear friends of mine, are, are African-American. And I was like, um, can we not put this, like there's one scene in particular where it was like five times in a row and I threatened the, the soldier's life and, and I'm like, like, but it's historically accurate. I'm like, I understand it's historically accurate, but I'm not comfortable saying that. So it took them two weeks, but they rewrote the entire scene wow. and took out all of those end bonds and the character still sounds the same. 
he still, you know what he's saying. But uh, I had to literally hold my guns there and be like, look, I'm not going to say this five times in a row in the most hateful speech I've ever said through a microphone. Yeah. I don't care if it's character. And they're like, but they finally came back with a script and were like, whoa, who changed it? Still, the, still there, though. <laughs> and the next question. Uh, I can ask two. Right? Okay. First one is, is, has there ever been like a role where you have to play down, not because of the writing, but generally because of the character's personality? Does that make sense? Play down, you said? Like, turn down. Oh, like Turn down. Like say no. And another is like playing off the whole lines. Has there ever been a line where you you have to take a second to compose yourself before saying it because it's so hilarious? Oh, oh I, I can't wait. <laughs> yes. So I'm in, uh, I was part of a dub that some people know called Ghost Stories. Uh, and not only did that involve a line that I believe anyone who knows me will be shocked to hear this. I actually, there was a line written that I wouldn't say. Uh, I know, no, I'm serious. It was quite the doozy too. But uh, if you don't know anything about that dub, um, yeah, uh, there, will, there were several lines that uh, I would read. The way that that dub was done, the director had the translation and then he just had his Mac right here and he was just writing like his riff of the translation on the fly. So like my lines would just pop up on the screen in front of me before, like seconds before I was supposed to say them. And I was, I was like, oh dear God, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, there were some that I, I couldn't say at first because I was laughing or I was in shock and some that I just refused to say. Yes, one that I refused to say. Uh, I uh, if we're talking about toning it down, like as in like oh, she's saying turning it down, turning it down. Oh, turning it. Oh, turning it down. No, I won't turn down a role given to me right now. Right now, yeah, because I haven't worked in a while. So if you give me a role, that's good to know. A lot of fans also don't realize that generally with anime dubbing, it's not like we know all about these characters that we get cast in. I mean, often you don't until you walk in the booth what you're going to be doing. So it would be an after-the-fact turning it down. Yeah. They, they also yeah. currently, you know, a lot of times now um, are looking for racially appropriate people, and sometimes it will list in the character description, um, whether just based on their appearance or literally on who they are, what their um, ethnic background is, and sometimes it will be left to the actor's own uh, judgment call to say, yes, I feel comfortable auditioning for this type of a role, or like, I'm going to pass on this and let someone who actually fits that audition for it. Um, so sometimes it's it's not even just rejecting the role, it's saying, I'm going to not audition for this role to begin with. So I don't know if you guys, there's a show called Golden Kamui, um, and I just recorded ep an episode where I played a, um, a tribal woman who was helping another woman give birth. <laughs> And so <laughs> there were a lot of interesting um, things that were being said, very uh, explicit things. And I remember just like hearing it in the Japanese and reading my script. And I just had, I did have to take a second and like kind of breathe through it because like just like now, I'm just laughing, thinking about it. And so, you know, and then the beeps come and you're like, oh God, I hope this, <laughs> hope this is gonna happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's definitely like you have to breathe sometimes through it and just uh, focus, what take a minute to focus. Oh yeah, I also. <laughs> <laughs> 
I also played a queen who discovered a bidet in, was that Aristocrats Otherworldly Adventure, if you guys How many Europeans do we have in the audience? So a bidet is basically, okay, anyway. Watch We're really going to make her describe this. Just, just Google it. Just, <laughs> just Google it. B-I-D-E-T. And it rhymes with my name, Monet. Monet yeah. Bidet. So it works out great. Um, but yeah, that was another one that was really, really... <laughs> All right, we got time for one last question, probably. we got five minutes. So. Anybody? Anybody? There's Anybody? a gentleman with his hand up back there. You got me? They don't trip everyone. Oh, 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 she would not approve. Hey, uh, so I was wondering if, you know, after a long day of being in the booth or, or recording, do you guys ever, are, are your voices ever stuck for a minute and you got to think, like, what do I really sound like? <laughs> yes. Um, the worst, I don't know, it, it, I can't speak for any of these guys. The, the worst for me is whenever it's heavy on combat, and that's actually these days, it tends to be voicing video games. Uh, but there are definitely some characters in anime, and I don't forget what I sound like. But it'll—I've deliberately chosen voices that seem to not be good for me professionally, because it's always back in here, and <laughs> and then you have to do that at full volume for a really long time, um, which is why I don't do long days in the studio ever. I'll do a couple hours max and then I'm done. I don't know what the youngsters do, but um, yeah, it, it does happen. I do occasionally get stuck in an accent. I grew up in my Irish grandparents' house until I was about 11 years old. I thought that's just how you feckin' talked. And so uh, I actually had to go, to, my grandfather took me to a speech pathologist to get me to not do that because I was getting in fights in school because I wouldn't sound like anybody else. And it was after that that she actually encouraged me to do it, and then I made a career out of it. Um, so yeah, I, I, sometimes it's just easier for me to, to just be in a character voice. It's, it's, it's just less effort than being me. And so, you know, that, and, and so I'll walk around the house and my wife, bless her heart, would be like, well, I guess he's a Scotsman today. <laughs> Well, he's got no Hodie Jones. No, we're not doing that today. But very good question. Thank you. Anybody else? I, I can also jump yeah. on to both questions real, real quick. Um, I'll usually, especially I realize in the past year since I've been booking an anime, I've been consistently cast as a lot of really loud characters that talk a lot. Um, and so if you're doing a lot of sessions back to back, especially if you're doing those long sessions, um, the easiest thing to do after all those sessions is just to not talk. Yeah. And so that's usually what ended up with me after Jahi specifically, because after you get cast in something, like you said, you're kind of in it. If you want to turn down the role, you're already in it. So that's kind of hard to do. And if you're already a loud character, well, that's what your character is going to do for all 20 plus episodes. And so you just kind of have to learn how your voice is and how you react to all those sessions and how you can take care of it um, at the end of the day and just kind of good luck. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what kind of what I was going to say. It's important to warm up. Um, even if you're not a singer, like vocal warm-ups are so important just to, yeah, and cool downs. Um, but 
in the Jahi show that she's talking about, my character like hits her head on a table because she punishes herself. And so I had to like scream and hit my, and so that took like a couple hours of me having to warm up my voice to get to that place so that I don't lose my voice. And so like Lisa was saying, like after session, like I would just sit in my car, like completely silent, no music on and just listen to my turn signal, you know? I, uh, and I was just like so meditating anyway. I just want to make one comment about that. So me and Monet both work at Medieval Times and that particular scene, she, I guess, was rehearsing it at her apartment. And I remember I was dropping something off and she'd left the door unlocked for me. And so I came in and I just heard her going, oh, oh, oh. I was like, what the hell is going on in there? Like Allison was saying earlier, like the physical thing that, cause I can't actually, we can't hit our head on a table, but we have to make oh, it yes, sound we like we're gonna, we're hitting our head on a table. Amateur. So like the physical, what you have to do, it's like, you know, you have to figure out some way. I, I just got done doing a show where I played an Irishman for like hours straight, for three and a half hours. I was an Irishman, and I found myself uh, keeping that that dialect, even leaving leaving the stage. They'd be like, "How are you doing?" "Oh, I'm doing fine. How are you?" <laughs> and I couldn't get rid of it for at least a, a a week. So I did have to sit literally in my room, not listening to a darn thing, and going, "Okay, this is what I sound like." Instead of, "Oh, how are you doing there? It's good to see you." <laughs> so uh, um, I just wanted to say, like, I my biggest issue when I record stuff for my voice and stuff, it's not. Uh, when I get the direction more energy, that means louder to me. So I just do louder. I, and every time I shout, it goes into like, you know, it goes into your throat and you do this and that's horrible for your voice. And I can't stop it from doing that. So when I'm voicing, a, when I voiced a, a Yoshida for Higahiro, he stayed very much in my natural range, but then he would shout. And when I shouted, I'd be like, ah, and, and, and Jonathan's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. You know, like, like he, we don't want him to sound like that. I'm like, I know, but that's, that's what my throat goes to when I, when I shout. So it's trying to, trying to find like little things that you can navigate around that. Nose. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Or just put it in your nose, put it at the top of your mouth, whatever you have to do to, 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 to avoid shredding your vocal cords beyond all belief. So. And uh, I'll, I'll just add real quick, um, speaking about like character voices and like whether or not we get stuck in them. Um, as someone who's been able to do like a little bit of directing, I, I've seen like anime kind of leaning. We still do the character voices, but leaning a little bit more towards like natural like voices, um, keeping it a little bit more humanistic, I guess. I don't even know if that's a word. Um, oh, perfect. Um, but uh, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool to see... Um, when I'm directing uh, and people are using their natural voices, like the little nuances. So it's not necessarily that they get stuck, but it's more so like I'll hear like, oh, they've got like a slight accent. Oh, they've got like this little thing and trying to like figure that out and being like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but like you have like maybe a slight Texas accent or you've got like maybe a slight Spanish accent like to your read. And you know, for the most part, we'll, we'll keep it, you know, because it's like, oh, this is natural. This is how people talk. Um, but it is it is cool to see like just the different aspects of people's voices and maybe even some aspects that they themselves have never really thought of until they get in the booth and we say, oh, hey, did you notice that you have this? Let's see if we can maybe kind of tune this in a way where it's not so prominent. But then there's other characters where we're like, yeah, no, that's perfect. Like, keep it. <laughs> All right, Bacon. Let's give a big round of applause and thanks to our voice actors. They got they all have booths in the exhibition hall so go to check them out.
And uh, stay tuned for unconventional stand-up comedy. Yes, unconventional stand-up comedy. Stay tuned. We'd love to meet you guys. I just want to say it was really great to be here. And thank you for all of the specific questions. So that was the panel from Baycon 2023. Oh, yeah. Thanks again to all the guests. So yeah. many of them. Please follow everybody on the social medias. We'll tag it in our social media, which is at AssumingPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also send us a Gmail, assumingpositions at gmail.com. Dot com. Every week I say, Mikey, tell them how to send the Gmail. Oh, this one's easy because we're listening to panels and people talking to a microphone. Give me some speech to text. Don't fix it, though. Like, <laughs> just talking to your device. Let it, you know, auto text and then send me it. It'll probably be craziness. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, once again, we want to thank Baycon 2023 for having us out. Yes. We follow them on Baycon Live again. See what's happening next year. We will be there no matter what. Come hell high water. I like that movie. <laughs> uh, we also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing. Not Scott Productions for our equipment and Jazzar for our music. We hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Baycon 2023. Pick on 2024.